We can't even clap can't together. Clap. So <laughs> that's fine. I'm Dakota. There are other people here. Introduce yourselves. <laughs> I thought you were going to skip our intros because we're too no, bad. No. I need. Listen. I'm Dakota, and there are some other people here anyway. We won't speak of them. No, 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 no. I listen. I talk too much every episode. I need every opportunity I can for you fuckers to say something. Okay, <laughs> even just your names. That's Vince. It is, and that's Daphne. It is. And we're, and we're Vince and Daphne. <laughs> <laughs> Weeknights at 7 on ABC. Yes. <laughs> I, wanna, I, I really want to shout out back to the person who left a comment <laughs> review that actually shouted out DVD. Because I feel like we have oh, yeah. not mentioned DVD since like episode we 2. That was a fucking promising thing. Because I, I forgot. We left it to die on the side of the road. I just I don't forgot know what happened. that that was a thing. Anyway, yeah. we are DVD. What was the joke that I made? I, I yeah, it was like outdated. Like, and like, Yeah, we're slowly becoming obsolete and staring down the barrel of the void. Okay, everybody, good night. Like, I don't know. It was something stupid. There was but. a whole thing. And bit, sometimes but. we hit the corner of the screen, you know? Yeah, like we're bouncing if you, around, we're bouncing around. sometimes we're a bow right in the corner. And speaking of flying around, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about Hermes today. <laughs> wow, that was a good that was a good transition. That I, was good. Literally was every sick. week I do it, and you guys are so surprised. I it doesn't. It. You, I can do it with anything. It's, it's compulsive. It's our surprise. That nobody wants. I've told you before. I'm aware of if X-Men are a thing, I know what I'm going to be. My mutant ability is going to be horrible. I know what I would want, and then I know what I would actually get. (laughs) Great transitions. I like it. I think it works. That was literally the keystone moment of how I was able to get over being upset that X-Men weren't real. When I was like an adolescent growing into an adult was... Oh my god! I wish they were real. And then it really was sitting down and thinking, genuinely, what would I get? Then it was like, you know what? I'm glad they're not real. I don't want that. Glad they're not real. (laughs) So anyway, so today we're going to be talking about Hermes. So we're really excited about this. Uh, We're going to start out with Origins, and this is kind of a choose your own adventure. So we'll choose your own adventure. So he is either the son of Zeus and Maya. Maya is one of the Pleiades. We mentioned her in the M4 episode. He's the son of Zeus alone, which is an option. Or he's the son of Dionysus and Aphrodite. What? Oh. Which is another common telling. It's it's not even that uncommon. It's kind of like a thing. There's, I feel like, there's this yeah, long-standing huh. thing we'll get into later about how... You know what? I'm not even going to say that because I don't want to ruin anything for our initial impressions moment don't that we anything. do. So let's go back to that. Like, what, What's your first impressions about Hermes? What are your thoughts coming into this episode? We already he, did the M4 episode, so everybody I think has a little bit of an inkling. He's definitely yeah. like a, a hometown favorite, like from mm. from way back because he's wacky and fun and sort of like talks you know he he's a talker and he's over the top and and he flies around and like the, what's not to like he just I, I feel like if we're talking about like what our early impressions of 
these characters. Like, I feel like, I feel like oh, he's yeah. one of the coolest. Like, he just seems like the coolest. He's the Herald. Like, who doesn't want to be the, yeah. he's like the fucking storyteller. That's awesome. Oh, for sure. I also think he, like, I don't know if I knew this from reading stories, but I just got, maybe it's the way that the authors were writing what they were writing, but like, I definitely got the impression that he liked us. Yes, like, as humans. for sure. Um, like I, and like, he didn't even seem so much like an Olympian in the sense that he was far away and like kind of unattainable to like think about as like some of the other Olympians when I was younger. Whereas like Hermes kind of felt like he was like right there. Like, I don't know. I've seen people tweet about this. So I'm, I, and like, it's really making me happy that other people are having this experience, but like, being in a car and then looking out the window and having like an imaginary friend that was like sprinting yeah. along the car yeah. or like on the elect on like the the uh, electrical, electrical wires. wire next to you, yeah. I didn't know other people did that, and it made me really happy to know that that was the case. I always pictured like a Hermes like figure, mm. always just kind of around when I was in the car, entertaining me because like of course that's what Hermes would be doing. Yeah. Um. And so like I've always did like that's always kind of been like uh, how I thought of Hermes. Um, and now I actually like light candles for Hermes on Wednesday. So it's like, awesome. I feel like in terms of moving away, like, I think I liked him initially a lot for the trickster, like fun part of it. And then as I got older, really kind of appreciating just like the idea of the dominion of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. like what, like that's helped me a lot kind of deal with my own, uh, kind of in there. <laughs> yeah. Out of all of the episodes so far, I think this was the episode when I was writing the script that I was like, this is a Vince episode. Oh, yeah. This is like, this is Vince's territory. <laughs> this is, this is For sure. Yeah. One of the things that I think you're going to love, Vince, is that <laughs> Hermes hails back to, brace yourself, everyone, Mycenaean Greece. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> where he was always depicted, and this is one of the things that I love about him, he was always depicted alongside like a whole group of goddesses. And the group could change. And this pattern remained a constant throughout his worship into like classical and Hellenic Greece, which means that his worship almost always took place within temples and sanctuaries that were dedicated to goddesses. Primarily among them, Hera, Demeter, Hecate, and Despina were the ones where you'd find like statues of him and things going yeah. on. He didn't really have his own temples. As far as we know, in ancient Greece, there were three temples to him in Arcadia because that was supposed to be like the place of his birth. But, like, not in Athens, not, like, really anywhere else. He was constantly present because, as we're going to talk about, the Herms that he's sort of, that are either named after him or he's named after yeah. are these something akin to what we would call, like, a mile marker today. Mm-hmm. And there are these, like, stones that were used to sort of, like, be a guide on the road. Mm-hmm. And all of those were sacred to him. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't so necessarily, cool. like, need... Yeah, temple, it's like so Because he's common. also the main god of the Agora, which is the marketplace. Yeah. So the marketplace itself was kind of sacred to him. And That's everything cool. that went on there was like under his blessing, you know? That's so cool. That's like really the cool. like it's again like reinforcing like his closeness to us, I think. Mm-hmm. Like the mile marker being a very common thing that's like both utility and like uh holy, and like the marketplace also being like utility and holy to like it's like something useful you know yeah it's Um, it's the fact that it's something incredibly mundane that's also sacred you know and i think there is something to be said not to jump too far ahead but about the sort of almost congenial nature that mercury had with humans in a sort of almost not lateral way but in an almost sort of camaraderie kind of way Mm -hmm. there's really no myths that you see where like hermes like pulls rank 
you know mm-hmm. like he's just not going to he's real chill he's definitely the for you know plan words the torchbearer of the Promethean legacy he's yeah. like loves humans loves to be around humans yeah. you know his job really suits him because he doesn't have to like just stay up in Hang Olympus. Out in Olympus yeah yeah and also he doesn't have to sit still which we'll get to right. as well so <laughs> so what what is Hermes the god of give me everything you can think of that you think Whew. Hermes is the god of um like I mean like interactions like deals like like is it hmm. like okay. or like what, what like I, meetings me, yeah like I feel like it's like commun- I mean communication Com- like yeah all of like I'm just thinking of kinds of communication like I'm like yeah I was good. my first thing was lying messages stealing. like yeah okay. <laughs> um traveling and travelers yeah is money so, exchange because of the exchange yes. it's all okay. kind of the same it's like inter exchange all different forms communication of communication and like messages yeah because like, um, I feel like even with lying that's like a, a it's part way, of it though it's like it's yeah. like a yeah it's a, an idea of language like a, a way of language being used also yeah. a way that like, you communicate even though it's veiled yeah. or like more sinister yeah and one of the reasons to learn someone else's language primarily back then was through trade right and like travel uh which is like another cool kind of like interweaving of all the things that he's, like he's in charge of well he's also For a psycho sure. he's also a psychopomp so that's like another interaction between yes, yes. worlds it's like shepherds yeah and which i guess is like kind of like guiding people on their paths uh, right which is what you do it's... when you communicate is like guiding them to an idea oh yeah ideas ideas oh. <laughs> right so it's like physical movement and also like intellectual movement like or communication yeah it's cool. con artists um i feel like all of these things are like similar like they like are circling the same thing though yeah pirates i don't know yeah oh. <laughs> um so are we ready purview and domain yes. purview and domain you better buckle up bitch here we go so <laughs> hermes was herald and messenger of the gods God of herds and flocks, travelers and hospitality, roads and trade, <laughs> thievery and cunning, heralds and diplomacy, language and writing, athletic contests and gymnasiums. Oh, I forgot. Oh. About that. And astronomy and astrology. Oh, cool. Oh. Um, I didn't know at all. He is the grand- Wait a minute. He is the grandson of Atlas. So I'm going to get into this a little bit later, but basically, mm. Hermes was the first god that merged the two of astronomy and astrology God. and so it was kind of this like innovative thing because i was gonna ask because i remember in our one of our early episodes we talked about like a uh a straya or uh-huh. a star or something who's like the goddess of astronomy i thought or astrology so there's the primordial the gods titan. and there's yeah. the titans who sort of are the th- the fact that the thing is there and that it moves oh, with okay. harmony and isn't colliding Right. And then there are the further down gods who usually are the ones that give the study of that thing to humanity. Gotcha. And then there's even further down sometimes an Olympian god who's like, and here's what you do with it. Mm, you know, know what I mean? And like, here's what's oh. what's possible. It becomes more know? interactive rather than just like a concept or That's like a right. an really existing thing. That's a really useful way of thinking about it. Yeah. And then yeah. more interacting, like accessible to humans. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Hermes is the god of the mind and its capabilities. He was said to measure out the intelligence granted to each human. He was the protector of travelers and the punisher of all who would refuse to aid a traveler in distress. Awesome. Hermes also presided over and enforced the laws of hospitality alongside Zeus. 
Mm. So there's a lot of stories <laughs> where Hermes and Zeus, we, we usually think of Zeus, but Hermes did it just as much where he would travel in disguise and test to see if somebody would be hospitable. Sidebar, <laughs> apparently Hermes, Poseidon, and Zeus did this one time together. Uh, they were disguised as travelers and tested the, hospi the hospitality of a man named Lord Hyrius. And he was exceedingly generous and kind to the three strangers. So they blessed him with a wish after, like, the ruse, you know, like, they all kind of revealed, like, oh, yeah, we're gods. Like, you did a great job. You passed the test. What do you want? And he was like, I've literally been praying for years for a son. Like, please give me a son. Like, I don't have any children. My wife is sick. Like, I need a son. And they're like, okay, cool. So the three gods pissed all over a the hide of a cow, buried it, and then out of the earth was born the giant Orion. Oh. Yeah, wow. that's the birth story of Orion. I feel like they were just oh. drunk. Yeah, yes. They were like, yes. Oh my God. yes. 100%. <laughs> so give you a sign. Just give me that, just give me that hide over there. Like, this is something we made up. I feel like, like this was like, terrible. we've never yeah, done okay, it this way yeah. before, but. Okay. We can do that. Uh, it just kind of like looks around and they then. make something <laughs> up. Hermes like snatches up the cowskin rug. And it's like, I got a cowskin. I don't, you, what do you. <laughs> yeah, Hermes or, is definitely like the, the pissing Calvin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, also, I also just feel like one of them was just already pissing. And so they did that to, to pull Neptune, it off. Yeah. They were like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is—he's just starting the magic. He's like, consecrating I'm, he's the ground with <laughs> water. Yeah, I'm making water, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> they have to join show. in to make it seem legit. <laughs> right. Oh my god. Um, and Zeus is probably like, yeah, of course he's gonna want this to be a giant. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. He obviously. Want a giant he doesn't want a normal baby. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> Um, Hermes was also the god of commerce and was the god of wealth through gain and riches, especially unexpected windfalls. Huh. He was gambling. the god of luck and so was also the god of gambling oh. and sort of how all these things play into each other, right? Yeah. He's the god of searchers and presided over efforts to locate lost people, herds, objects, oh. anything like that. He's the psychopomp of the ancient Greek world and the trickster among the gods. And is the inventor of the lyre, the syrinx, the alphabet, numbers, astronomy, music, the art of fighting, gymnastics, the cultivation of the olive tree. Because apparently, <laughs> Athena, who thought she was real cute putting a saddle on that fucking wild horse that ate three people when they were deciding who was going to own Athens, remember? <laughs> yeah. Apparently, she didn't teach them how to actually cultivate them and, like, make things out of it. So then Hermes had to teach them, like, the culture of the olive and, like, yeah. everything that was Hilarious. possible. Wow, he was busy. Oh, I'm not done. He also invented measures and weights. <laughs> just, just so you know. Sure. Now, how does Hermes look to you? I mean, like, clothes-wise? Like, the he has, like, winged shoes, right? Or winged right. ankles. Like, yeah, but how does he look, though? Young, I feel like, old? I feel like I imagine him relatively young. Yeah, I imagine him pretty young, I think. Uh, and, like, tall and thin and, like, you know, just, I, athletic, I guess. Okay. I don't imagine him with facial hair, really. Okay. Hat, kind of like a drapey, drapey situation. I mean, I guess everyone has a drapey situation. It's, <laughs> it's Greece. <laughs> but like a drapier situation, like, you okay. know. Like an extra scarf. Like a scarf, yeah. yeah like yeah. Like he's no, running I, really yeah, fast no, I, and it's kind of like billowing. Like there's a whole thing. Yeah, no, I dig that. Yeah, yeah for sure. Okay. No, I, I think um I always 
I think I've always thought of him as just like the def like the physical manifestation of ambiguous. Like mm. I I don't think there's a consistent skin tone that I give him. There's yeah. not a consistent age. Like sometimes he's young, sometimes he's old. He's like that face where it's like I can't tell if you're 40 or 19. Totally. That mm. I get what uh, you're saying too. And like because of the big hat, I always imagine that like you mostly can't see can't his quite eyes, see his face but he's always well. kind of grinning. Yeah. Uh like you're catching like a flash of his grin. <laughs> Like uh, this, and immediately my head went to the V for Vendetta mask, and I was like, "Yeah, that's appropriate. That's yeah, yeah, also appropriate. yeah. Who's the patron god oh. of Anonymous? Oh, I don't know, Hermes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the the hat. Um, sometimes not even wearing it, just having it on the back. I definitely picture a scarf. Um, wanted because I feel like he would want something that moves when he moves, like yeah. just for right. fun. It's like dramatic. Right. Um. I always picture him wearing being a little bit more colorful than the other gods. Uh, even if it's like in pale, like extra color, it's just like wearing something a little bit more colorful. But also because he goes un- to the underworld, I imagine like sometimes like it like I imagine his clothes change color. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe the scarf becomes like of... more like a cloak. Like you know, you have to yeah. sort of wrap yourself more modestly or there's something. A, I feel like it's at it's it, it's appropriate to say there's sort of a Howl's Moving Castle wardrobe Version situation wardrobe, yeah. happening <laughs> yeah. where you can just you know kind of like pull something to the side and now it's a floor length cloak and yeah. then go the other way and it's like a diminutive little scarf. You know, well like, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I mean, be, he's like adaptable. In, he's yeah. just like adapting. Yeah, he'd be super into like tech wear if yeah. you were like just oh out. yeah like like a coat that's like a coat and then it turns it, you fold it and zips into zip a scarf it, and zip then the you part off like, yeah. and get something else <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and then it's a bag <laughs> yeah i love that does he have wings um, on his hat as well is he like covered in i feel like he's covered in wings is it just the shoes or is it the hat too <laughs> no it's it's actually the caduceus has wings and yes right of and course. the hat has wings he's covered sometimes because he has two hats yeah. he has two hats he has, two hats. He has it's like a hat and a helmet or is no, it... he has a traveler's hat, and then yes, he has a winged helmet. That's okay. That's what I thought. And he's got the oh, and he's got okay. the winged sandals. All kinds of wings. Yeah, he has to move really fast. He's so organized. Got to get there yeah. on time. Got packages yeah. to deliver. Got messages gotta go to tell fast. people. <laughs> got to stir up some shit. Get out of there before the ship. The scarf pops is off, like, you know? he's, like, like a, he's like a human windsock. The scarf is like <laughs> you can you can see how fast he's moving. <laughs> At which direction? Yeah, like which way going? Yeah, that's the only way you can see him when he's moving. It's is just like the, the fluttering the scarf. scarf. Yeah, when he goes flying by a mortal, all they hear is a flapping scarf. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he was depicted classically uh, two ways: a handsome, athletic, beardless youth, and quite androgynous. Like, that's a defining factor. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get into this later, but, like, the reason that we grouped these three together, Ares, Aphrodite, and Hermes, is because to the ancient Greek mind, they essentially were gender. You had Ares, who was the embodiment of masculinity, Aphrodite, who was the embodiment of femininity, and you had Hermes, who was the embodiment of androgyny. And that is not something we just made up. That's historically attested. And in fact, we'll go over this in a little bit, but Hermes started out as like a virile phallic god. And wow. then literally as time went on, became more and more and more and more androgynous to where there are depictions of him in like the latest parts of sort of like Hellenic Greek where he's seemingly genderless. I mean, like genuinely is hard to distinguish. Yeah. And this really bears itself out in a lot of his children which we'll get into as well. 
So that is the more, if you want to say modern and at least familiar to us in a modern context and latest in the timeline depiction. Earlier depictions were, first of all, he's a pile of rocks. He's a herm. <laughs> yeah. And then that got refined <laughs> into sculptures that were essentially like a tall sort of like pillar, which had like his head on it. And then like about yeah. halfway down a giant dick. Yep. Um, wow. <laughs> Which, like, in festivals, like, women, like, looking for a husband would, like, lay a wreath on the sculpture. Not sure where, you know. You could play <laughs> horseshoes or something. I don't know. Horseshoes. Yeah. But he then became sort of fully personified, like, as a person. Remember how we were talking about how, like, Ares was meant to look just like the, the average soldier? Yeah. He yeah. was supposed to look like the archetypal traveler. So he was an older, bearded man who had... A winged boots and a herald's wand, but always had on, like, the traveler's hat. And in some of the oldest depictions, he's riding on the back of a ram. Or he always has, like, livestock with him that he's clearly driving as, like, a shepherd. <laughs> so that is depiction. Cool. He doesn't have a retinue because nobody can keep up with him, flat out. Like, that's just, no one <laughs> yeah. is constantly with him. He's in other people's retinues from time to time. Like, you know, Zeus. <laughs> His attributes and iconology, we have the Herma, which I just talked about, or Herm, a stone road marker, which doubled as a small wayside shrine to the god, a traveler's satchel, the Talaria, which are the winged sandals, the winged helmet, the Petasos, which was a hat worn by farmers and travelers that had like a, it was circular and had like a really big brim. Yeah. The Caduceus, which is a winged staff intertwined with two snakes copulating and carvings of the other gods. So those are his traditional attributes. Then we have sacred objects and preferred offerings and things like that. So, the ram, because he was usually depicted riding on the back of a large ram. The hare, hawk, rooster, tortoise, cattle, sheep, and goats, of course. And sacred to him were the crocus, the strawberry tree, the palm tree, incense, and the number four. And that is where the Romans got the idea of four being lucky, assigned it to Jupiter, spread far and wide... And that is why when they got up to Northern Europe, it got to be a thing which we still hold on to today, which is that a four-leaf clover is the luckiest one that you can find. Wow. Yeah. That's... Yeah, because the astrological symbol for Jupiter looks like a four. Yes. But it's actually not necessarily a four because fours were not written that way. Oh. We, we write them that way now. Well, I was also thinking about, like, the uh, with the their that relationship thing when you were talking about gambling as one of the parts of the purview uh-huh um like that's ruled for, by jupiter yeah and mercury like, both they're, they're, yeah, they're so heavily like the fortune related. and then like the actual like head of art and or skill of gambling yes. to some degree and like them yes. needing to be together for it to work yeah i think is, is really interesting too. well in astrology you basically have that like mercury and jupiter rule the same shit but mercury yeah. does it on a micro scale and jupiter does it on a macro scale so both of them have to do with like exchange mm -hmm. but one has it to do with number one in a way that is immediate and another that is long lasting. So mm. for example, Jupiter's defining feature in astrology is that it's the planet of expansion and growth, mm. right? Whereas there's no real growth with Mercury, there's just movement. So the thing is, is that you have basically both of them ruling the mind, intellect, ideas, and exchange, right? Travel, speech, you know, so many different things. 
But yeah. basically, the way that you have that with Mercury is it's money changing hands, yes, but it's between friends or it's you paying mm -hmm. your rent, right? Whereas with Jupiter, Jupiter, it's multinational corporations having a merger, right? Because <laughs> Jupiter is the one that rules the ideas that make up society, like yeah. philosophy, religion, politics, law. That's all Jupiter. Whereas like the ideas that Mercury rules are like the book you're gonna write. You know, in, ter in terms of travel, it's your everyday travel. Mercury is called a lot of times like, it rules cousins, the stuff of cousins, right? Not necessarily, so the things in your surroundings and how you interact with, not always at home, but also not across the world from you. So cousins, right? right? Can you remind me which ad astrological signs are ruled by Jupiter? Sag and Pisces. Ah, that so of course today, it's you in, obviously yeah <laughs> yeah in modern astrology it's just sag because neptune rules yeah, Pisces, yeah, but yeah, that in makes classical sense. astrology but sag makes both. perfect sense which makes a lot of sense because jupiter being the planet of expansion you basically have the two sides of it because when you look at the classical yeah. um the classical planets besides the sun and the moon the lights of the zodiac they only rule one sign but if you look at Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, they all rule two signs before you have the new planets. And a lot of times they're cut from the same cloth. Mm -hmm. They just do it differently. Or there are two sides of a coin or the two, two ends of a spectrum. Because right. if you look at like Mars, Mars rules Aries and Scorpio. You have the two most intense signs in the whole zodiac. Sense. Yeah. Aries is 95% external. Outward. Yeah. Scorpio is 95% internal, right? And that internal external thing carries over with Jupiter because you basically have Sag, who's like always on some eat, pray, love journey, wants to learn every language, wants to go to every country, yeah. wants to try out every religion. Do everything. Yeah. And then you have Pisces, who like is halfway in this, the last <laughs> life, and halfway in the next life, and never gets yeah. off the couch, but is stuck having an existential crisis and astral projecting, you know? So they're both explorers, but in very different ways. Right. And that was your astrology hour with Dakota. <laughs> no, that was really helpful because it, connect, it connects yeah. everything. They all relate. Well, and it so really... bringing it back home to what we're talking about, Mercury, remember, rules Gemini and Virgo. Yeah. Both of them, the mind so is their different. stronghold yeah. of, like, that's their seat of power, yeah. right? Totally. One seeks to travel and question and push yeah. boundaries. The other seeks to implement, fortify, and perpetuate boundaries. So with all of these, you do kind of end up having the more external, the more outward, external maybe is the wrong word, but like the more outward version and then the more like internalized or inward version. Well, you of. sort of have the active and the passive because well, the way yeah, that you exactly. sort of break it down is if you think about it, it's really easy to see all of the air and fire signs are the sun side of the planets. Mm -hmm. And because remember, the sun and the moon only rule Leo and Cancer, and they're the lights of the zodiac, right? Yeah. So if you think about it, there's a sun side and there's a moon side to mm -hmm. each of the planets. So the active side is the fire and air sides, and then the passive side is the sides that are the earth and the water signs. You can tell that everyone on this podcast is the active side. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 100%. 100%. We, we don't have one of those other ones. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, yeah, it'd be great to like, have one of them as like an editor. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that, that it's like our assistant or something. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think the thing with uh, like the way I like to think about Gemini and Virgo too is like, Gemini might be just making ideas for the sake of, like, for the act of making ideas mm. because it's, like, what happens. 
and I feel like Virgo is dealing with ideas constantly popping up and they're creative in the way that they organize them. Yes. Uh, like both in the space around them and just like the way that they think. Like interpreting um, data, like whatever comes their way instead of like... Yeah, it's like yeah. they're creatively able to organize. Yes. In What's a way there? that like yeah. has to be mercurial or else it wouldn't, <laughs> like, it wouldn't work. Yeah. No, um, for and sure. Generally... And I've actually explained in my class, like in which school, we literally this past week was astrology. And one of the ways that I explained the two sides of the planets when I got to Mercury was I talked about the god Mercury and the god Hermes and how you can clearly see in his purview that you've got both sides. Both sides, for sure. You've got Virgo, who's the merchant, and then you've got Gemini, who's the thief. Hermes isn't just androgynous. Hermes is also largely considered amoral. Like, completely outside of it. The trickster doesn't really care about your ideas of good and evil. You know, like, yeah, structure is great until it gets boring. You know, like, kind of does both, (laughs) you know, plays both sides of all of it. And so, yeah, that's the really, the wild thing there. So let's talk lovers and children. Um, there's, I did not name all of them. Okay, I'm gonna tell you right now. Uh, Hermes fucking gets around, okay? So of course. I only did divine lovers. I didn't do mortal lovers because we would be here all fucking day. So we have um, Pathos. Do you guys remember Pathos? Goddess of Seduction, Persuasion, and Charm. Yep. Yeah. They make a great pair, I would they think. They sure yeah. do, yeah. yeah. Um, of course, we can't forget Aphrodite. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Aphrodite, of course, came through and seduced him in her male form. Aphroditus. <laughs> Aphroditus. <laughs> and born of this union was Hermaphroditus, the patron yes. god and the embodiment of gender variance and androgyny in ancient Greece. We have Brimo, who is a thing. Brimo's tough, because Brimo is, like, actually the epithet of several different goddesses in their most vengeful form. Oh. And that might be because it kind of seems... I know we all, like, really love Hermes, but Hermes also got rapey, which I hate to tell you. Yeah, I know. And it seems like he he raped Brimo and then, like, brought the ire of this goddess, but also is, like... She is the essence of the ire of the goddesses oh. at different wow. times. It's yeah. why there's a whole thing going on. That's cool. So you um, just kind of like meld into her if you're like. I think I don't. Yo, it's yeah, it's kind of like Lady Stoneheart from Game of Thrones. Like you, you become an avatar. Oh, of interesting. Yeah. Oh, also, one of his lovers may have been Keone, but that's a weird one. Keone, remember, was the goddess of the snow. Snow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but also there was a mortal named Keone. If he was a lover of Keone, the mortal, he's the grandfather of Odysseus. Oh. I also just really like the idea of him, like, having a whole flirtation with the goddess of the snow. I don't know. I think it all works. <laughs> Why not we have both? Let's go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it being, <laughs> I could see it animated, like, Hermes is traveling and it's snowing. And he's oh, like, that's oh, so this? cute. And he meets Keone. Yeah, it'd be really cute. Oh. It's romantic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We then have Hersey, Ibthimi. Um, we have several others who are just like kind of very minor, you know, like they're a nymph or something like that. Mm-hmm. We then have Lara. Lara is a water nymph who informed Hera about one of Zeus's affairs. Apparently, she either oh. she couldn't lie or she was just like a Yenta. I don't know. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Zeus responded by cutting off her tongue Whoa. and Whoa. condemning her to the underworld. After oh, this point, she became dick. she became known as Muta. Oh, my, really. Uh, 
Which is like the origin of the word. Mute. You can't hold him accountable at all. Just don't even try. Mm -mm. Uh, Hermes, obviously, his role in this would be to carry her off to the underworld. Some of the stories say they fall in love. Some of the stories say that he raped her. Don't say rape again. Oh, no. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's Greek mythology. What do you expect? Either way, they bore twin gods called the Lares, L-A-R-E-S, which are the guardians of the crossroads and went on to become like incredibly important in Roman religion. And he then hid her away in a cottage in the woods where Zeus could not find her instead of taking her to the underworld. Now, I'm taking that as evidence that maybe they fell in love. Yeah, maybe not. And that he cared enough about her to like give her a good life because his mom had to do the same thing. There's a reason that Maya lived in a cave because she had to say she couldn't be seen by Hera. Right. So I feel like there's a whole thing there of him like trying to help her and being like, cool, you live in this fucking cottage. Like these are your woods. Don't fucking leave them because Zeus will kill you. That also brings up like, I wonder then for like when gods are having children, Mm. Um, or the ones that, that like end up with some kind of smaller purview, if they like, uh, this is like a weird thought. If they have any idea of how they as Greek gods will be translated into the cultures that they're interacting with to become part of the Roman gods, in which case their children have an opportunity to like social mobility within God hierarchy, (laughs) I guess is what I'm talking about as a result of immigrating into another culture i think it's a thing yeah that's interesting because like the that like the lares thing where they like end up in the like being even more important like in the next one the next culture yeah oh they don't matter at all to the greeks they're huge for the romans because they're the spirits of place but that's interesting Mm. to think about like if they see that if there's like you know some perception of that and then using that to your advantage in some way yeah like if her like if if this culture is more into that kind of stuff then like who else might be like maybe i should go over here like yeah if anyone knew that, I feel like Hermes would. Yeah, yeah. totally. And like, and well, like, I mean, Jesus kinda, he gets around enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, he should and know it's everything. Like, <laughs> if a when a parent like maybe names their child something a little bit more culturally like responsive in the face of like moving to a new place, uh, to give them a little bit more success in this culture as yeah. a result of leaving right. the past one. I could see that that would be interesting if that's like at play. And if I think if it was at play, like Hermes would definitely know how to do that. Yeah. One of his other lovers was Penelopea, who's not Penelope. Right. Penelopea, he made <laughs> love to in the form of a goat. Huh. Sure, why not? Which is how we got Pan. Okay. Really? I, so I have some questions. About this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, shoot. Because theoretically, Arcadia is the birthplace of Pan as well, right? Right like the woods the deep woods of arcadia yep and like i've heard like uh, it was confusing i was confused as to why i like like them to think about them together um but i've seen so pan and hermes yeah um some stuff of them being like their which one came like which one is related to the other yes that's because there is a lot of thought by historians that Pan may have started out as an aspect of Hermes and then the sort of cult to Pan grew enough to then basically, the idea is that we think what probably happened was some gods may have started out as an epithet or a face of another god and it became everyone's favorite and then became so developed that the connection sort of became severed and they became their own individual entity and that could also happen in reverse 
And so if they were always associated together, they're always housed they in the same temple, they end up yeah. getting kind of melded, right? So that the idea is, is that Pan probably may have started out as an aspect of Hermes. But that totally makes yeah. sense to me, like, innately. Like, it's just... shepherd in the wild. And yeah, like... and they just give me sort of, like, there's, like, a little playfulness or something to both of them. There just seems like yeah. there's... The pan there, pipes. There's, like, yeah. a little bit of, like, an impishness in their own way to each of them. Yeah. Like, I definitely, like, character development-wise, that totally makes sense to me. As soon as you were, like, I associated them with each other for some reason, I was like, oh, yeah, me too. I don't know. They just seem like they'd hang out. Yeah. Like, there seems yeah. like there's a whole... There seems like there's a thing. They hang oh, out a lot. Yeah. Pan and Dionysus are usually together. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. I kind of feel like I really want more stories where it's like Pan, Dionysus, and Hermes like out oh on the town. God. That's the crew. Fucking yeah. <laughs> shit up. Oh my god. I want to go out with them. <laughs> yeah. I also yeah. kind of love that they're like a core three, and then like Priapus is their like literal dickhead friend who they hate when <laughs> yeah. it comes along. It's just yeah. like they hear like a dick tagging yeah. against shit, and they're like, "Oh, here he's like, oh, oh, here he is." Yeah. Right. I mean, hey, welcome. You know, like, like who? But then when everyone's drunk. It's like okay, Priapus, do the thing again. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Otis, hello, lover. I want to kiss this dog so badly all over its face. I can't even I tell know. you. He's so, so pretty. Oh, he's he's really beautiful. Look over here. What kind of dog is he? He's a hello lover. Oh, you have headphones on. What am I doing? Yeah, he can't hear you at all. But he's a pitbull Basenji mix. Wow. But he's like mostly Pitbull, but he's tiny and his body type looks like a Basenji. Like he has a little mm. curly tail and like he, it's really weird. It's a very strange, oh. strange combo. But I love yeah. it. Also, Among Us Lovers was counted the Oreads. Just the oh, mountain just nymphs, all- apparently. <laughs> just, just like all of them. All right? of them. Wild weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we have Tanagra. Tanagra was a nymph who Ares and Hermes competed over. For her love, oh, in a boxing match, yo, and Hermes won. <laughs> let's go, Hermes. Sh- yeah, let's go. Sh- oh my, it. oh my god. Aries <laughs> <laughs> got shwerked. <laughs> oh god, Aries can't win for his life. I swear, weird. I would love to picture Hermes like saying like, "Okay," and then I'm gonna throw a cross, and Aries being like, "What?" Like, really technical boxing and like okay cool yeah feet moving just like (laughs) yeah there's also something about hermes that i feel like reminds me i I think i told you guys i've been like really into star trek Mm -hmm. and and also like just every other episode crying because it's like the most wholesome (laughs) wonderful show ever it has great politics and like it's just really great. And there's this whole thing of, like, Lieutenant Data. And Data's the guy who's, like, super pale and is the cyborg. No, not the cyborg. Android, sorry. Sorry, Data. But he can, like, literally look at anything and immediately, like, understand. Like, he just gets the information. Mm-hmm. So, like, thousands of pages of text can fly in front of him and he just gets it. And I'm like, bro, that's Hermes. That's Hermes yeah. <laughs> down. Like, I imagine, like, totally. Hermes, like, going like this and a scroll pops up and it's everything that humanity knows about boxing. And it's just like, okay, here we go. You know, like, yeah, it's like that Matrix moment where he's like, I know Kung Fu. Right. Yeah. Funny, but like hilarious. I'm like, you know what I mean? Then we then go to Hermes male lovers, which there are quite a few of. We have Amphion, the founder and king of Thebes. Crises, oh. who's a Trojan priest of Apollo. 
Daphnis, <laughs> who is a Sicilian shepherd said to have invented pastoral poetry, also beloved by Pan, who taught him the Pan Pipes. It is said that he was unfaithful to a nymph who turned him into a stone, or he fell off of a cliff, or Hermes <laughs> made him into a constellation. Something <laughs> happened to this guy. I don't know what it is. Wow. Sorry. Nobody's sure. Yeah. No. Hilarious. Then we have Crokies, an Arcadian youth beloved by Hermes who was accidentally killed in a game of discus, tell as old as time. So Hermes transformed <laughs> him into the crocus flower. Oh. Oh. Yeah, so there's this whole trope that we're going to talk about way more when we get to Apollo, but there's this whole trope in, like, ancient Greek myth where you have these beautiful young men that the gods are lovers with, like, and absolutely adore, and they fawn over them, and they always get killed tragically by some sort of accident, like, in the in sort of in their prime. And this was seen as apparently, a lot of people have analyzed this as sort of allegorical for certain vegetation, in ancient in like greece that is these like really beautiful lush flowers and certain things that basically like explode in the spring and then completely get destroyed by the like the sunlight of the summer oh. and they're kind of killed in their prime and wow. that's where several of these stories are the origins of flowers that fit this because you have the hyacinth crocus snapdragon i believe there's a whole bunch of them where it's like these beautiful flowers that are like the first to shoot up in spring and then they die once they have too much direct sunlight yeah wow that's cool yeah so just sense. a heads up cool. yeah uh perseus oh <laughs> uh, apparently he delivered a little more than magical armor so. <laughs> to, to perseus on his journey he's like let me help you put this on yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's just make sure it fits come here um <laughs> You guys know about the Dioscori, right? They're the divine twins, Castor and Pollux. Mm. Uh, I know those names. Yeah, Pollux. Know the names. Pollux and Hermes Pollux. apparently had like a long-standing thing going on. Huh. Um, and there's a couple... <laughs> I'm not trying to be rude. There's a couple knockoffs. That's what I call them in my head. Because there's these like random names that get written. There's never any story about them. You can't find anything else about them. It's just their name <laughs> written one time. And their names uh -huh. sometimes seem really similar to another much more important figure's name. <laughs> so we have Thirses and Odrasus. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, cool. Mm. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, it's also worth noting here that Heracles, Eros, and Hermes were a traditional triad of gods presiding over homoerotic love, especially between men. Huh. And oh. their statues were often featured together in a triad in the gymnasia, which is Hermes' sacred place. Yeah. Uh, it was also a classic cruising and hookup spot for men. And still is, if you play still your cards is, I was right. going to say, yeah. <laughs> um, he was often invoked in homoerotic love spells cast by all genders, as seen in the Greek magical papyri. However... Usually only in his chthonic aspect. Huh. So we what have the, more of the, like the lesbian love spells calling the... on, <laughs> yeah. you know, the furies and shit. Make her love me, you know. Yeah. Goth gays. Um, so we're going to talk about some of the children. One of my favorites, because I like, I just love that this is a thing. Angelia, or if you might want to call her Angelia. Yeah. Well... <laughs> uh, which is where we get the word angel from. She's the daimon of messages, <laughs> tidings, and proclamations. Huh. Oh, wow. Because so, like, literally. Angel literally means messenger. An angel, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Eleusis, who's the goddess of the Eleusinian mysteries. Oh, let's go. Hermaphroditus. Of course, we remember Hermaphroditus. Yes. Mm -hmm. Hermathena, 
We all remember oh, her, right. Athena. Thought child. Oh my god, it's so hard. He's like, did you just call that baby a thought? What is happening right now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, thought child. If it's if it's Hermes, it's possible. I'm just it might saying. Be, it might be. <laughs> he had four businesses by the time he was one day old. So a hundred percent, and one of them was being investigated by the FBI. Like, yeah, the timeline happening. does not connect. <laughs> and then we have the Oriads, who are the mountain nymphs. In some of the stories, the Oriads are his daughter. In other stories, they're his lovers. In some of the stories, they're half and half. I hope those halves don't oh, blend or bleed together. And then we have Palestra, who I really like. Palestra is the goddess of wrestling and daughter of Hermes, uh, because Hermes is the god of athletes. She's yeah. the goddess of wrestling. Oh, sick. In ancient Greek wrestling and boxing schools, which were always a part of a gymnasia. Sometimes they were separate, but you literally couldn't have an ancient gymnasia without the part that was the palestra and was for boxing and for wrestling. My favorite thing about her, <laughs> she was said to have, quote, androgynous looks and boyish ways. <laughs> Ready for this? Quote, the figure of palestra, if it be compared with a boy, will be that of a girl. But if it be taken for a girl, it will seem to be a boy. <laughs> for her hair is too short even to be twisted into a knot the eye might be that of either sex and the brow indicates disdain for both lovers and wrestlers for she claims uh, that she is able to resist both the one and the other and that not even in a wrestling bout could anyone touch her breasts so much does she excel in the art and the breasts themselves as in a boy of tender years show but slight signs of beginning fullness she cares for nothing feminine, hence she does not even wish to have white arms, and apparently even disapproves of the dryads because they stay in the shade to keep their skin fair. Nay, as one who lives in the vales of Arcadia, she begs Helios <laughs> for color, yeah. and he brings it to her like a flower and reddens the girl with moderate heat. Oh, sick. I like that they're trying so hard to figure out her gender. They're like, yeah. but then the eyeballs are this, but then those but her are... eyes could be of either sex. And you're like, but, wait, yeah, what? Like, Hold <laughs> down. <laughs> I just like her as like the the prototype for all the big like uh, thick like uh, athlete girls that are in video games now, like Zarya from Overwatch, just like like the big like yeah. Super, I mean, I think yeah. I think there's a lot of potential there for like trans mask himbo for mm. sure. A yeah. well-built Zembo, you know, why not? Yeah. You know, I I really, really just adore that. Then we have Pan, of course, god of shepherds, hunters, meadows, forests, and mountain wilds. He was depicted as a man with the horns, hooves, legs, and tail of a goat, a thick beard, snub <laughs> nose, and pointed ears, and he's most often seen with Dionysus running amok. We then have the Panis, or Pawnees, uh, which is a trio of goat-legged daimonis of the mountain wilds. They presided over hunting, herding, and grazing, respectively. There's Agrius of the hunt, Nomius of the pastures, and Forbus of grazing, who's also called the Frightener, which was, I guess, the daimon of, like, when animals are placidly grazing and then get spooked and move. Ah. The most common interpretation is that these were three aspects, three epithets of Pan. However... They are also seemingly analogous to Eros and the Erotes in that they oh, may, they also did kind of have individual worship, at least rustically they did. Yeah. Then we have Priapus, who's usually the son of Dionysus and Aphrodite, but is sometimes the son of Hermes. The Satyroi, who were the three satyr messengers of the god Dionysus. 
Dionysus had three attendant messengers who were satyrs named Ferris Mondos, Lycos, and Pronomos, and they were the sons of Hermes that he, like, I guess, sent to go work for their uncle. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's also important to note here that Hermes was most likely the head of social services in ancient Greece, uh, which we've talked about before, which is run by, like, she-goats like, and she-bears and yeah. she-wolves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Since he was the one to rescue and then foster the following infants— Arcus, child of Callisto, Dionysus, Asclepius, the son of Apollo and god of medicine, Aristeus, the Dioscori, the divine twins, Castor and Pollux, and Helen of Troy. Oh. Wow. In all those instances, he had to, like, fly by, snatch the infant, find a good place, a good home to, like, place it for foster care, like, <laughs> take care of it in the process. Yeah. He's wild. He grew up in a cave, you know? Yeah, yeah he knows. True. He knows that's what's true. up. Talking about Hermes and, like, all of the different things that he's in charge of, you can kind of break it down to several things. I mean, you've got, basically, his original thing is, like, shepherd god, god of the flocks and all of that, right? Mm -hmm. You've got the god of the mind and messages, um, and you've got, you know, exchange and trade. You've got the god of boundaries, which he has always been. Remember the Herm stones? That's a thing. Yeah. And also a chthonic god, and to some extent a fertility god, at least in his, like, initial incarnations. Early version. So we'll go through those backwards. So Chthonic uh, and Fertility God. As the psychopomp, Hermes would escort the newly dead to the underworld. It was sometimes said that he was given this role after retrieving Persephone from Hades in the dispute over her. Mm. So when oh. she initially was brought out and then, you know, there was the whole judgment where Zeus said, like, okay, you got to go back down there for this amount of time. Somebody had to go down there and get her. And yeah. they sent Hermes down. And the way it's told is like, they didn't know whether or not he was going to come back. He was like, I got this bite. Like, zip, you know what I mean? Like, was gone. <laughs> and they came back with her and they were like, well, you're going to be the one who uh, deals you're with very the coming and yeah. yeah. going. Everyone else is scared to go down there. They're like, Ugh. Yeah. He's like, I'll be back in five minutes. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was also invoked in offerings to ghosts and in rites of necromancy. He checks out. Yeah, yeah. He was also often described as the bringer of sleep and dreams, working alongside Hypnos and the Onoroi. The Onoroi, of course, are the Daimonus of dreams. Hypnos, god of sleep. Uh, however, it's thought that they may have originated as a single entity. Hermes was most mm. specifically associated with prophetic dreams, which could, in ancient Greece, originate from the gods or from the dead. This makes sense as he was the god of sleep, the guide of the dead, and the herald of the gods, the agent of all divine messages as the mm. herald of the gods. Yeah. And we have God of Boundaries. As a, he was a household god. His shrine was placed on the doorstep in order to protect the sanctity of the home and to ward off thieves. In the same role, he was the patron of guard dogs, those that watched over herds and those that watched over homes and shrines. Australian shepherds. <laughs> he was also a god of time as it related to the intersection of astronomy and astrology and how they worked into the calendar year his grandfather was atlas who turned the heavenly constellations on their axis and then we have as the messenger god you know mercury is the god of language alongside nemesini they do right. it together because she's right. the titaness of memory it's said that either together they invented writing or she invented writing, and then he invented language, and then went a step yeah. further, and he's the one who initiated what's called the Babylization, hmm. referencing the Tower of Babel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's never a reason given. Yeah. 
It seems oh. like he was just bored, made up one <laughs> language, and was like, let's do a ton of these. Okay, you this guys speak fun. this. You yeah. guys speak this. You guys speak this. Oh, you can't talk to each other? Use your hands. You'll figure it out. You'll figure okay, it out. Okay, you guys speak this and like just gave the earth all of its languages for fun. And then was like, figure it out. <laughs> you also, know what I mean? Also hilarious if he's like just speaking that one language but then moving. Mm. So like he hears it differently as he's like moving. He's like, Oh, okay. Well when I was moving over <laughs> like in this area, this is what it sounded like. So you all do this. Um Oh great, the Doppler effect. <laughs> <laughs> also, like yeah, definitely could see him like making a bunch of languages, so he's like, Okay, now I get to learn all of these. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, absolutely. <laughs> Hermes is the patron god of the eloquence, persuasion, and wit used by heralds, merchants, and diplomats. And he is also the god of the guile, deception, cunning, charm, and wiles used by tricksters, thieves, and con artists. <laughs> uh, patron of heralds, travelers, thieves, merchants, and orators. Uh, it's said that Zeus sent dreams to mortals, but Hermes delivered them. He wasn't just the messenger for Zeus and the gods. He was also like the post office. He had to deliver objects mm. and even people on their behalf. Uh, he's the god of augury and the birds of omen. So only seers under his patronage could identify them against the average bird. As heaven's herald, he dealt with all divine communications. He's the god of rustic divination by pebbles, an art taught to him by Apollo that we talked about in the M4 episode in exchange for the music of the pipes that he invented. He gave his uh, this divinatory art to the shepherds and cattle herds of the highlands where it remained popular. And speaking of them as a shepherd god, he's the god of animal husbandry. He represented the protection and the fertility of herds, as well as the wild animals and the thieves that threatened them. Remember, kind of like Ares, he has a lot in common with Ares. There's a young and an old depiction. He is sort of always on one side or another of extremes. Mm -hmm. um, and so he's the inventor of tools and implements used by farmers, shepherds, and herders, and the rustic arts. Uh, like creating the lyre from a tortoise shell, which we talked about in the um, M4 episode, shepherd pipes, uh, and pastoral poetry and fables. Speaking of fables, it said that Aesop was especially beloved, oh. beloved by Hermes, <laughs> who he gifted the art of the fable. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh. So that's about it for Hermes. He's pretty busy. I got to say, it's kind of a busy it, guy. It's charming, though, like how much you can tell, like, especially compared to some of the other guys, how much he fucking loves his jobs. Yeah. He's yeah. like, I am <laughs> loving like he's having a blast. Yeah. Um. So normally this is the point in which I'd be like, let's do the Roman side. And sometimes we do the Etruscan side. We've got both of those. And we've got one more, because if you've ever really done any study on magic and the occult in the West, you're going to have one aching question that we haven't answered yeah. yet. And that is, who the fuck is Hermes Trismegistus? Trismegistus, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Thrice greatest Hermes is a legendary yes. Hellenistic figure and a product of the long-standing syncretization of the Greek Hermes and the Egyptian Thoth, Toth, Tehuti, I'm sorry, I don't know how to say your name, um, and <laughs> supposed author of the Hermetica. The Hermetica is a corpse of ancient and medieval texts attributed to Hermes Trismegistus 
and they they created the consistent philosophy and metaphysics of hermeticism. The most ancient hermetic writings dealt with conjuring and communicating with spirits, the animation of statues, astrology, and alchemy, and they basically built the bridge between the Greek and Babylonian systems of the arts and sciences. The very first documented instances of such texts have been dated to like circa 64 to 141 AD, so they're pretty old. So renowned was the figure of Hermes Trismegistus that later Christian writers held him in great regard, calling him the wisest pagan prophet and the herald of Christianity alongside Zoroaster and Plato. Yeah. Wow. Even the Christians did not demonize this figure. (laughs) They wouldn't dare, really. Hermes himself, as a god, Hermes, was long associated with magic. But under this title, he was not just the god of magic. He was the instructor and the revealer of the arts of magic to humanity. Yeah. Hermes Trismegistus and the works that were attributed to him form such a large part of the foundation for Western occultism and mysticism that their influence cannot be overstated, let alone denied. It is really important to tackle that if you're going to tackle Western occultism, magic, or mysticism at all, really. You know, for example, for our you know listeners who may be less familiar with this as an idea, it might be like, yeah, okay, I guess. Well, if you've ever gotten a hold of a pack of tarot cards, they're usually like the classic deck that came around the turn of the last century, circa like 1910, is the Rider Waite deck from Arthur Edward Waite, who created the deck, and Pamela Coleman Smith, who illustrated the deck, both of whom were members of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Yes. Like, there's a whole thing that's been going on for 2,000 years here that's going to continue. You know, Hermeticism is something I know you're pretty steeped in. I love it. What's, um... your, what's your name? <laughs> Sorry. Hermeticism. <laughs> uh... Um, so I know you're pretty steeped in it. I I did want to tell you one of the things that I learned along the way with this that I thought was really cool was, you know, the term like hermetically sealed. Oh. Comes from that. It's from alchemy. And it's when you would basically Mm. like fuse two containers so that they were airtight. Yeah. And that seal was called the seal of Hermes. Oh, that's sick. Isn't that just rad? I'm like, yes. That's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, I think primarily Hermeticism's like appeal to me is the yeah, it's like the the Hermes part of it, right? Like mm-hmm. the like the using the interlocking ways that people have understood anything to try and understand everything. Mm. Um, and uh, that's sick. Uh, it's like an infinite puzzle. Um, and getting to like the more you learn the more you realize how big that puzzle is and it's just like an exciting thing Mm -hmm. um and i think like the some of hermes's more like regal um kind of uh not attributes like just like some of the i think he he gains some stuff from being associated with bath jehudi yeah. Um, in the sense that, like, Bath Jehudi is, like, so great and, like, so old. Yeah. Um, but also is the one who, like, creates language. Like, yeah. creates, like, uh, and is, like, the god of teachers, yeah. right? Is, like, the one who bestows upon us the knowledge to do all of the stuff that, like, the Egyptians were able to do. Well, there's and a certain like, amount of gravitas and stability that I think he inherits from that syncretization. Because, like, yeah. Jehudi's job was, you know, a lot of things, but one of his main kind of key roles not his main roles but key roles was he settled disputes among the gods yeah hermes caused them you know like hermes (laughs) might deliver your summons but like you know what i mean like that's about it like he's really not necessarily going to be that and you have 
Chihuti, who has this, like, this dignity that yeah, we don't truly, necessarily... like, divine wisdom. Yeah, and, like, again, it, it seems to me, again, Virgo Gemini. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, really, yeah. like, you've got, like, scholarly Tahuti who's like, it is divine yeah. library, and then, like, blowing through and knocking shit over his fucking Hermes. It's like, hey, bro, and then like, keeps going. You know what I mean? It's wow. like knocking. Yeah, it, it's a thing. I'm like, yes, they're cut from the same cloth, undeniably, but good Lord, could they go about it no differently than they do? It's so different. You yeah, know? even their role at the death part is like Hermes is moving the souls to where they need to be, whereas right. like Thoth is there at the end, like to help with judgment. Yes, right. So it's like, uh, like their roles in the in like being. Yeah, that's so. And like you know, we, you know, I think we talked about this in one of the concept episodes with the idea of education being like a continuous process of death. Yeah, because you're constantly dying to become a new version of yourself that understands more. Um, and so like how that goes into like death as a transformation means that you're moving from one place to another which makes it tra like travel mm. and like all of that um which like i think part of that definitely makes sense for hermes but hermes is definitely uh, like defined by his liminality you mm -hmm. know there's there's too much movement necessarily sometimes for things to stick i mean there's yeah. a reason that like you have the the classic the, the seven classical planets each have a sacred metal and the sacred mm -hmm. metal for mercury is, is mercury yeah. quicksilver which quicksilver. at room temperature is liquid like liquid, yeah. yeah of course that's gonna be his obviously you know yeah. um which and, and of course you know he does have ties with medicine in the ancient world and so they thought that mercury was medicinal in the ancient world which is another mm. reason that that tie is there the the ties to the sacred metals are wild like you know mm. I, I told you guys i think last week about copper yeah and how like hand mirrors. mirrors yeah wow, yeah yeah yeah, there's weird shit with that all the time. So, yeah, it's it's really so interesting. Cool. It's interesting. But, yeah, hermeticism totally being a thing. Um, you know, it, it's something that people still deal with today um, mm. in terms of, like, hermetics being... there. There's a whole branch that sort of seeks to, like, look at it only as philosophy and not necessarily, like, metaphysics or magic or occultism. There's another mm -hmm. side that sort of seeks to reclaim that. There's, there's all different branches and... and you know, huge amounts of really famous figures throughout the past 2,000 years have been involved with Hermeticism. There's also the fact that, like, Hermeticism had some overlap and then some competition, um, and, you know, with Gnosticism up to a certain point. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's a lot there. So it's, it's something to look into if you're ever interested in it. Um, yeah, it's restored just, or not necessarily restored, but it's, like, kind of uh, coaxed a lot more, like, enthusiasm about learning things. Um, yeah, and it's inspired a lot of people. I mean, Isaac Newton was inspired by Hermetics. You know, yeah. uh, Boyle was inspired by Hermetics. You know, there's there's so many different, you know, historical figures who, you know, the idea of as above, so below is mm -hmm. essentially Hermetic. The idea yeah. of pantheism even being a thing, like God is all and all is God. That, you know, like a Dr. Bronner's label, you can thank Hermeticism <laughs> for that. You know what I mean? Um, Rosicrucianism came out of yeah. you know uh there's a whole branch of esoteric christianity outside of gnosticism that comes from hermeticism um so yeah i just kind of want to bring that up because again it's like you know the influence of this figure can still be felt today very much then we have terms now i'm gonna go into terms and mercury i'll tell you right now there's not gonna be much to talk about because <laughs> there's a lot of figures where i'm like whoa wait until we get to the roman side because it's nothing like the greek side isn't that wild <laughs> hermes made such a fucking impression on the mediterranean and everywhere that he went that there's no denying 
yeah. at all. That like where you find him under another name, it is him. Like yeah. terms <laughs> is the classic uh, Etruscan equivalent. And although terms T U R M S, although terms is like a entirely Etruscan name, the Greek influence is just undeniable. You see it in purview, yeah. personality, depiction. I will say that the Etruscans were like pretty they were a lot more Egyptian in how death focused they were. So like for them, his role as a psychopomp was way more of like the banner image mm. than him being like trade. But like he definitely still was a thing for them. Um, and then you have Mercury, and I mean, for for the Romans, he pretty much wholesale got brought over as Greek. You know, he yeah. he took on a little bit of a different role with them. I mean, he's the Roman god of boundaries, commerce, communication, travel, travelers, messages, speech, eloquence, luck, cunning, trickery, theft. Um, you know, and he still played the role as the psychopomp. Interestingly, the name Mercury actually is derived from the base word merx, which was uh, M E R X which was the ancient Roman oh. word, uh, root word for, like, merchant, merchandise. Um, uh, yeah. He was often depicted accompanied with a rooster uh, because <laughs> the rooster's the herald of the new day. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah, a ram or a goat symbolizing fertility and a tortoise referencing the invention of the lyre. Uh, according to Julius Caesar, Mercury was the most widely revered god in the empire and was called the inventor of all the arts. He was syncretized with the Celtic Lugus and the Germanic Wotan or Odin, among many other gods. And this sort of is where a lot of his immense popularity in Northern Europe came from. Mm. And his temple in ancient Rome was located in the Circus Maximus between the Aventine and Palatine Hills. He was not one of the Dei Indigentis, which were like the, the indigenous gods, right? Mm. right. The, the truly Roman gods that I've talked to you about in the past who like, had a more Roman origin and weren't just imports, were allowed in a certain core part of the city. And outside of that area were where you would have foreign gods. And even though Mercury was one of the DE Consentis, which was essentially their version of the Olympians, the Prime 12, yeah. he was still outside that circle and was right. way far away from it. Um, so he was in the Circus Maximus uh, between the Aventine and Palatine Hills, uh, his temple was built around 495 BC. It was a major center of commerce and adjacent to a racetrack and was uh, placed between, oh, directly between the plebeian and the patrician centers of political power, which furthered uh, his role as the god of mediation, diplomacy, yeah, trade, and that's communication. That's so cool. That's yeah. really cool. And so, yeah, I mean, that's basically what I've got for you guys about Hermes. What'd you think? Love yes. him. Love him. <laughs> I think I just he's one of our favorites so far. For sure. Yeah, I love the way he sure. always is bringing two opposites together. Like, everything is the theme of, like, two things, oppo opposing things, like, being brought together. And he's, like, the connection. He's, like, the link or the, or the, it's, like, you know, the, he's, like, the precipice. He's, like, how the two, like, the, what you step over, like, the He's doorway the meeting place or, between yeah. them. But he yeah. also, that's where he lives. That's his shit. Yeah. And he likes that's to fuck around place. with that. Oh you know yeah, I mean? but you'd have to be when you if you're in control of the way things then when you go back and forth between worlds or between places or between people or things or elements it's like you're gonna there's gonna be some trickster in there it like oh it yeah. has to be <laughs> it has to be you can't just go back and forth between things and be the mediator without like you know having no. your own little opinion and playing some jokes of course uh, yeah absolutely because the thing is I think the thing about Hermes is he has the potential to be truly awful like yeah. really genuinely an evil force and 
it's almost like he knows that and he looked at it and he's like how boring like yeah just <laughs> yeah. evil just, just evil? good yeah <laughs> couldn't be me you know like gotta be a weird mix gotta keep the kids guessing you know like yeah. i love that i love that about him and so and the idea that he lives outside of like morality like that that's not yeah. really a concept for him is is adds to his character for sure Absolutely. and i think like the idea of a thief too outside of like you know petty thievery but like i think the idea of a thief uh is really interesting too like to be a patron of thieves for sure uh in the sense of like uh well he's like his influence is is is, is it cunningly done is it yeah. done well? Right. Are you yeah. a good salesman? Are you a good con artist? Then you've got his favor. Yeah. It doesn't matter which side of the transaction you're on. It doesn't matter right. which side of morality you're on. No. If you're good at your craft, at. regardless yeah. of if it's legal or moral, then, you know, you've got his and favor. It's, and it's so different than, like, murder, right? Where it's, yeah. like, or even, like, breaking a vow. Mm -hmm. Where it's, like, thievery is, like, it is, like, I don't know. My opinion of thievery is that it is a little bit more amoral. Yeah. Because, like, yes, something is being taken from someone, but someone else is gaining something. Yeah, yes. Whereas there You're just isn't just, like... just around in a way. Yeah. Right. Value isn't just being removed when it's, in this situation. When it's objects, I agree. And I think we both agree yeah. on that. It's, you know, you can't do that with people. You can't do that with land. No, of course not. But... You know, like, right. don't do that. But when it comes to, like, objects, it's kind of like, I think he constantly has everyone questioning, like, what is ownership? And like, like do you know, like, why yeah. do I feel like I have an inviolable claim on this thing? You know, right. it's an exchange. Yeah, like you said, it's an exchange, right? It's still yeah, an exchange. it's still an exchange, and that's the right. whole point: is that he's he's there for all exchanges. Um, his whole thing is, can you do it well? You know, yeah. I almost imagine somebody being like a really shitty thief, and like Hermes pulling them aside and be like, look. Like you've you got to stop. Your, yeah, Don't I'm make. I hear you. I see you. I see you making all the offerings. I can't work help on this. you. I can't make yeah. you this good my, at this. You know, this is my team, and you're making us look bad. Yeah, you keep getting caught. Yeah. Have you thought about becoming a priest? I heard they're hiring over at Apollo's <laughs> temple. It's real chill. You know, there's a lady sitting on a tripod that mutters shit. You just make up what you think she's saying. You keep the bay leaves around. <laughs> Have you thought about going over there? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you seem good with your hands. Have you thought about a forge? <laughs> you know, like. I mean, I, just... I, think it's like, I think it's anything with, like, people, you know, intellectual figures. It's like, if you, I mean, look at lawyers. It's like, if you argue it good. Like it doesn't really yeah. matter what the truth, the truth is doesn't anymore. matter. It's about it doesn't telling the matter. Best story. Yeah, if I you're making like also if, if you you're making were... it work and no one knows, then it doesn't matter. It's like because yeah. what is reality? Then you're just talking about what is reality. Like, sure, yeah. is there like a is there an actual truth? With a lot of things, there is from one perspective, but from another perspective, if you're outside of morality in a way, or you're choosing to see it that way, like you know it. It is, I mean, that's not my belief system in terms of how I interact with people, but it is my belief system in terms of what actually is real in the universe. Mm. Um, and I think that that's yeah. like, so that's classic. It's like, it's well, like, if, if, if you are super intellectual reality, about it, you're, what? If perception is reality. Yeah, exactly. We just talked about how different your perception would be as the one who, tra who yeah. traverses all of time and space. Right. You're not going to see it that way. That there's like, <laughs> yeah, it's this one objective thing happened, and this is how we should all feel about it. You're not going to agree with that. Yeah, you're not going to get that at all. You might not even care. Yeah. No. I also my favorite thing about Hermes is I kind of think about like along the bad thief line, like a bad snake oil salesman giving like a pitch. 
for and sure. it like not really sure. working. Like, bro, the person in the crowd at the back who's got like a big hat on and you can't see their eyes who's like, boo! Yeah, like, you yeah. know yeah. it's You know yeah. Hermes was flying so by and went, this guy out oh, of here. terrible. Get him out. You know, like, oh my he does his own quality control for like, oh, Hermes absolutely does his own quality people. control. Yeah. Yeah. For, for he's the one that like shows up and tries to swindle like uh like a merchant out of their whole goods. It's like mm, all right, you you survive. Mm-hmm. You stay I, in my merchant. I like that. Unlike a lot of the go- other gods, like most of them, unlike them, he doesn't show up to do that to like I don't know be a dick. It's like he actually enjoys this. He enjoys people. Yeah. Like he like yeah. wants to be in the thick of it. He's, he's like not this is here more to fun. beat you with your mother's loom. He's no! that's not his idea of a good time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The rest of them when they interact with people, it's usually for something so totally self-serving. And for him, he's like, I love this is like an it's like a sport for him. This is like a game. Yeah. It's like he's having yeah. fun interacting with people. That's why he likes people because he's like they're super entertaining. Like I could go to the party up on Olympus that's like really boring and my same fucking family members that I see all the goddamn time. Or right, I can hang out with like the same way, these yeah. infinite like number of like weird little people who do crazy <laughs> shit. It's so much more interesting, and I can mess yeah, with I, them. And I, I can... do love that he's like, who knows what they'll do? Let me introduce yeah. a whole shitload of variables yeah. just Here's to keep it stuff. really interesting. I don't know. You really know? though, honestly, <laughs> truly, he can't have that much fun with the with the rest of the gods necessarily. I mean, there's you know, there's not as many of them. They know him. They, it's different. It's different when you go out in public. Well, and he's so like he. He's so outside of all of it that you have like in our enforcer we talked about like baby Hermes who oh not God. only invent the day he's born like six hours later invents fire cr- d- performs the <laughs> first animal sacrifice decides there's going to be 12 Olympians when there's currently 11 and then when he's asked about it says yeah it's me hello like <laughs> it's me bitch <laughs> yeah like what do you mean obviously it's also, me the, well let's not skip over him turning the guy into stone after being like hey don't tell people I was here yeah, like, yeah no I got you it's like I don't believe you <laughs> he already doesn't trust people he's like yeah, six yeah. hours old and he's yeah. like I'm gonna he's go like, test hey, wait a guy. minute I might be a baby <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm smarter than you I might be you. doing some cattle well, listen, but there will be no wool over my eyes okay sir. I just grabbed these cattle, I already know what smell. I know what bullshit smells like, sir. I'm coming back dressed as a full-grown adult, and I'm going to ask you this question. Yeah. If you haven't, if you haven't listened to the Enforcer yet, you should probably go back yeah, and do that yes. right now. Please. Although, do. you know what? In that guy's great. in that guy's defense, a baby just went by with 50 cattle walking backwards, and he's got like wood on their hooves for shoes. And he's, he's like, like, I can definitely take this baby. Like, this baby he, is not going to know shit. the baby shit. calls out to no, him, probably, wrong. like, riding he was one wrong. of them. He was and wrong. he's like, you didn't see anything. <laughs> you know? Like, but, like, but he picked but the wrong baby to mess with. He picked the wrong baby <laughs> to mess with. Here's my thing. If, with the context of it being in Greece, where shit like this, like, there's so many stories of shit like this happening. So it's like if I see a baby leading fifty glowing cattle right, walking somewhere backwards. wearing shoes, I'm just like, I'm out. Yeah, right. Out of here. Oh, I mean, that's because home. we. Have if it was me and I was that guy, I'd be like, "Is the phone ringing? I gotta run inside." Like, sorry, I, I, there's, I gotta go. yeah, there's. I sorry, gotta, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you say. Like, I can't even imagine going against that at all. Like, regardless of what's going on. Bro. Well, you definitely know something has just happened to you. You're like, I'm being <laughs> no. tested. I'm being yeah. tested. There's, something, like, there's a talking newborn who has but a, then again, a bunch of cattle. But then again, who knows? It's a random, nondescript stranger who... This guy lives in the middle of nowhere, obviously. He's and some guy just happens to show up five minutes later as like a random. And, you, and of course, he's got a, ba- a big baby? hat on. You can't see his eyes. Is asking like, did a baby just come by here with some? Sh-? And you're like, 
I think there's a little bit of bias, maybe, that he's like, well, okay, if one of them yeah, is okay, a god. Yeah, okay, there was a baby. Yeah. <laughs> if one of them is a god and I don't want to get immolated, which one should I bet on? The seemingly reasonable adult that just showed up is maybe it. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know that baby. The baby just stole the cattle, you know? Like, that I don't know that baby really, anything. really shady. That baby threatened me. It was like, you know, did the, the knife across the throat gesture yeah. if I talked. Like, I don't like that baby. That baby's wild. Hilarious. From birth, oh just God. putting people in uncomfortable positions. That's it. Like, that's it. Gray this areas, gray, gray moral areas. He's introducing them as soon as he shows <laughs> yeah. up on the scene. That's it. Oh my god! Oh no! Now I'm involved. Just I'm... really randomly, the we talked about pe- uh, not pets, animals that are sacred to him, and hawks came up. Uh, one thing that I do know about that is uh, it's a specific type of hawk. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one that fishes in that area. Yep. So it's like one of the more intelligent species of hawks, which I think is hilarious that that's the one that gets uh, associated with him. 100%. Because I know, I know we keep talking about bird intelligence on this podcast. That is, that is a <laughs> long-running theme for us. Why? Yes. But one of the ways why? that we... This has come up as, before. It's the owl Vince, thing. I know. It's Vince, Vince and the owls. keeps trying to allege that owls are not smart, and we have that's, to defend their integrity and their, and their uh, dignity every fucking time. Everyone get time. in the comments. Everyone get in the comments. <laughs> Check the tapes and get in the comments. Go back. Rewind. <laughs> well, well played lying in this episode about Hermes, because yeah. I was a lie. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> on theme. On theme. Um, yeah. But as we know, Bird I lied when I said your hair looked part. good. Oh, oh shit! Well, now we're just being mean. No, <laughs> I have no morality, bitch. <laughs> no, your hair looks great. Thanks. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. The way that bird intelligence, for the most part, that we know of as of recently, uh, is determined by like their ingenuity as the way they find ways to gather, like gain food yeah. and adapt to like their surroundings. Um. And so I think about, and then taking that to a hawk, and then thinking about Hermes, and it's like, we think about birds that adapt to living in the city, where they, like, learn to build nests in different places, they learn to get food from different places. Like, that's, like, way cooler than just, like, them adapting to an environment. Like, they are literally watching something go from, like, like the context of, like, the woods. Like, I imagine, like, the hawk seeing... Like people, dirt people living in the woods to like these acropolises, yeah, and like how that affects the way that they move around and like gather food yeah. and like like fishing becoming a thing, right? Yeah. Changes the way a fishing hog, did. and so it's like uh, thinking of like a rather intelligent bird uh, watching all of that, um, and then like us watching them um, and yeah. like what we learn from that, and like and also why... don't forget the role that they could then play in divination, the meanings yes. that we would then assign them. And be like, what does the appearance of that bird mean? And some right. of them are straightforward. A vulture. A vulture eats dead bodies. Eats, we yeah. Okay, war is coming. You know, yeah. but like, oh, it's that really clever hawk that gets the fish out of the river. Yeah. I guess Hermes is coming. You know, like. yeah. Right? But then for us to think like, oh, I'm a more intelligent creature than that bird. But that bird just figured out a tool. Like, that's yeah. like, inspiring for us to watch. Like, oh, even like the, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, there's so uh, many examples of ancient peoples creating their tools based on watching animals oh, for yeah. operate and being like, well, yeah. their beak does this. I could create some wood to do that. They were like right. literally you know? built for that. So all you have to do is watch them and be like, it's why imitated. do they have this pointy thing on their head that is like, this is helping them so yeah. much. Shit, I need to do that on a bigger scale let me make a thing one of the common 
Because we're just soft. We're just we like have. soft skin bags. We're not. Yeah, we are. We're terrible <laughs> we at living. Every we time that I think stuff. about this, I'm like, I cannot believe. And, and just so everybody is clear, there was an absolute moment where we almost went extinct. We were down to like, they think maybe 10,000 humans. Um, and it's oh, what, wow. uh, I believe it's what catalyzed, like what caused the emigration from Africa all over the world. Mm. Um, because like uh, climate conditions had gotten to the point where it was like, like we got to go find some more places. Yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> the thing is, is that um, one of the things I think is like, so first of all, obviously there's several other human species who did not make it um, yeah. that we know, like had fire and tools yeah. and possibly and a religion didn't, and didn't yeah. make it. Um, yeah. And so the fact <laughs> <Rip>. that <laughs> what I said, rip, yeah, <laughs> rip pepperoni to, those. That's said it. Rip to like our great, great granddaddies. <laughs> <laughs> rip Neanderthals, man. Rip, rip, yeah. rip yeah. Neanderthals. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> but like the fact that you know i always you know people are like oh humans are you know the apex predator and i'm like the apex predator have you seen a half the animals in the human kingdom are born and they immediately can walk like have you seen yeah, yeah. yeah. like have you can't seen dude. i mean an only like like immortal humans can't do anything when they're no. we're not starting businesses no <laughs> what no so it's you so lay there to think that like what so but the thing that i think is so wild is like so much of how we got to where we are today we're able to survive anything was by observing and learning from animals and adapting yeah. Yeah. i mean there's foundational to all human peoples across the earth was watching animals and seeing what plants did they avoid of course that's how that's... you knew what was poison we're they, at least you know, smart enough to know to do that so they're not avoiding like... that bush because that's just the know. juiciest most delicious berries in the forest yeah <laughs> they're not going near it because you'll drop dead because you'll like, die yeah yeah i mean that's that's totally a thing so it's wild like but then i then i get a little more in my head and i'm like well what about the ones that aren't poisonous to them but they're poisonous to us like foxglove will fucking yeah. paralyze you and kill you i guess um, you had to find out by trying Deers munch that shit for a salad. Yeah. They love that shit. It doesn't affect them at all. So I'm like, okay, some of it was observation. Some, mistakes some of it were was made. trial and error. You know? Yeah. Like, so well, some of it, I mean, even in that, though, right? Like watching the deer eat it and then someone hunts that deer and they start getting sick. You're like, oh, okay, maybe we should avoid. Like, these that deer could be it, something. yeah. Yeah. Whatever they're oh, eating, shit. it might be bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And which all of that process, yeah, totally checks out for like being like Hermes inspired. Yeah. Like, yeah. How do you start to teach? Like even in teaching, well, right? Not you have just to teaching, gradually move it's, up. It's both sides though. It's teaching and adaptation are both yeah. like yeah. core Hermes shit. You know what totally. I mean? Totally. Yeah. The adaptation yeah. part is really cool to me. That's one of the things I seem I like about him and his well, sort of whole thing. Something that I love about him is that it's adaptation for almost like the satisfaction of curiosity and not Very adapt so. or die. You oh, know, no, like, no, he's, which is, he wants to adapt. He's like, let's do the, a new thing. Yeah. yeah, adapt or die is the essential truth of like existence. Yeah, you have to do that. You know, <laughs> but like he has fun with it. You know, he's like, why not? Yeah. Why he not? He doesn't even need to adapt that much. He's just having a good time. No, he's just bored. He's just yeah. bored. He's, he's like, bored. fuck it, man. Like, I'm immortal, but like, I got, I'm, uh, you know, I got to pass the day somehow. I got born eight hours ago. Time to fucking do some more shit. Yeah, you know? it's been fucking like, what a boring day already. I better do some more stuff. It's like you've been doing <laughs> stuff nonstop since you came out of the womb. <laughs> this is a being who has not witnessed a sunset yet. It has already gone. It is already be an Olympian. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, holy yeah. shit. I also and it's like, like want there to be a fucking reality show like Growing Up Olympus, you know? Like, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> it would be so good, so, so good. good. Where they do the like, 
the confessional videos and they're like, yes. oh, my God. oh my God. Yes. Yes. Aphrodite <laughs> is so annoying today. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. She borrowed my dress and never Hermes is the camera person. Yeah. Like yeah. Hermes is the one behind the camera. And also the producer just, like, that making like commentary. Yeah. yeah and he's like reaching his hand in questions. with different things. Yeah. yeah. He's like moving the <laughs> moving like, stuff around. Yeah. Yeah. I like that we're doing, we're doing all these wild gestures at each other, but no one can see. Nobody. We're definitely like, we're doing this, this part with our hands. So yeah. Fill it in with your mind. You guys yeah. still don't know what He's Vincent your... Vincent looks like, but it keeps me up at night. And I promise you, <laughs> it's the most horrifying shit I've ever seen. Oh, my God. So, uh, yeah. obviously, we can talk about Hermes all day. Um, but we, <laughs> we do have to keep this at some point to, like, an editable affair. So, um... You keep talking about it. After you listen to this, just talk to yeah, someone you else. Just, keep just to keep the conversation going. That's the spirit of Hermes. That's yeah, exactly. Of Hermes. Just keep talking forever. He would want you to. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Start your Precisely. own podcast. That's it's it. It's like, you know, losing the game. Like, it just keeps happening. You can't Do you know what the perfect example of this is? So, my husband, Eli, when he... <laughs> who you've all heard about now. Remember when Eli w- listened to the first episode of this podcast? And I kept oh, texting yeah. to see... Because <laughs> yeah. we were all seeing, like, how people liked it. Like, our close yeah. people. And I texted you. It took us... I think three and a half hours to listen to the first episode because oh he had to, co- he wanted to say something about everything and continuously paused it. Like was yeah. having so much fun, but he couldn't stop pausing it. And I, eventually I was like, please, please just listen. Just listen and tell me after. Because to know Eli, I have to tell you right now, to know Eli is to love Eli. Eli is It is hard not to love Eli. The He's most the adorable, lovable, like he is just the best. He's a goofball. And he is... Yeah, I mean, he's he's like you. I mean, you got to understand, guys. Like, I don't think that you know this, uh, viewers. Daphne and Eli are, they look like a pair of supermodels who oh. got into <laughs> Not on Zoom. some sort of, like, <laughs> I don't know, um, weird Russian carnival that, and, like, <laughs> they, they, they've done some crime in the past to make their way. And like, you know, they've got a Bonnie and Clyde vibe. But also like, you know, they'll welcome you over for a family dinner. They're great. I absolutely adore them. I'm very happy. I know them. But um, I will say, I, I feel a my, coming. No, just one of my favorite things about, about Eli is that like, Eli is the kind of person who would do exactly what you just said. And I know me, cause I'm an Aries. I would be like, just be a fucking uh, co- like. Just join. Do an interview. Come on. Just like get on an episode. <laughs> he would shit his pants. He would hate the idea of coming on the show. A hundred percent. Like I yeah. just I love that he's so excited. But then also you'd be like, all right, come and do the thing, and he'd be like, no, 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 no. I'm, not, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Like he's just he's. That's it's, because the crazy thing about him is that he's not, and he's like this is like the most Gemini man of all time. But he is not it's not that he's shy it's that he feels no need to push his personality yeah. on people no yeah. desire no. and no need he has very strong opinions he loves like talking he loves shooting the shit yeah. if it happens naturally if you ask him to like participate in some way he suddenly is like uh i don't it's feel the need because the way they're lo- allergic to structure you well, yeah. You can't set up an interview with a Gemini. No, if, you if it happens, if you just shit li- record them, them, yeah, then it's great. You know, uh, what you mean? can You'll record get him talking wanted. all day, all day. Mm-hmm. But then, if you were like, "Can you do this?" He'd be like, "Oh, th- I don't want to now." And I honestly, I'm already yeah. somewhere. I'm already somewhere else doing something yeah, else. Yeah, <laughs> I honestly think that, like, and, and when, I, when I say this, I mean the good Gemini's. The good Gemini's are allergic to performative bullshit. 
Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. The bad 100%. Geminis make their entire career and life yeah. out of performative bullshit. <laughs> like, that's the dividing line for, like, the, the good of the shitty Geminis. <laughs> there's one of those for, there's a line like that for each of the songs. For everybody, 100%. yeah, of course. Um, you know, like, an easy one for Aries is, like, aggression. Is it brought out in the face of injustice or um, on behalf of the underdog just, or is it just to bully people and get your right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's there's very much a, you're either this type or this type of Aries for sure, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been so, wild. This episode has been wild for me. I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah. Well, this, is, <laughs> yeah. this is extremely familiar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, this is one of the episodes where we can really get into astrology because we've, I mean, so far we've done who we've done jupiter which is zeus we've Mm -hmm. done uh i'm trying to think we've done aries which is mars Mars. uh which is venus yeah that by the way that internal external thing we talked about earlier um does definitely apply with venus with libra and taurus because both of them seek uh harmony and equilibrium through pleasure and pleasure things we like yeah and through relationship Mm-hmm. But a Taurus does it almost entirely with themselves, yeah, or their home or their partner. Whereas yeah, Libra does it in the sense of community. Mm-hmm. You know, they do it in, in in the sense of the connection of the whole. Yeah. Totally, and that's the whole thing. I mean, when you really look at it, like a Taurus is self centered, and a uh, Libra is other centered. Which means, we can't be self-centered. We don't like thinking about ourselves that much. Like actually, that's like that's way the too thing. much. I don't well, want to live. I don't want to be in here. I want to be out there. It can go <laughs> either scary one can, in here. Um, either one can become toxic because Tauruses yeah. can become egomaniacs and you know asshole narcissists, and um, you know a Libra can become immensely codependent. Yeah. You just have to be careful of either one. You know. Um, Libra doesn't actually have. I mean, Libra's ruled by Venus, so we already did yours. Aries is ruled by so. We've already yeah, done we all did, of ours. We've done ours. Because yeah. we did Zeus and Jupiter. Jupiter. Yeah, um, we've done all of them. And so that's you. And then Aries is me, Mars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we have more coming up, though, because we still have Apollo, Sun, Artemis, Moon. Uh, we would have to do a whole thing on... Well, Saturn's going to 100% come up with Demeter. Because yeah. yeah. Demeter is a is a very heavily linked with Saturn goddess. Right. Um. So that would be a thing, too. And then we yeah, have, then, we already obviously did Neptune, we did Uranus, and we did Pluto. Oh, we did Pluto, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. even the modern planets got done. Yeah. Um, and then there's other ones, too, that are, like, actually major asteroids or dwarf planets. Juno is a really important asteroid in astrology, and, of course, that's Hera. Yeah. Um, and then Ceres. A lot of people don't know this. I just, like, when I don't even, we don't even need to include this in the podcast, but it's something that, like, irks the shit out of me. And I always, like, I feel like this is one of those, like, one of those hills I'll die on. Like, if I'm in the room and this is said, I have to fucking get up and give, like, a fucking TED Talk. Um, Pluto is a planet. People don't really ever do their research on this, and it absolutely they came back, kills me. They came back around to it. Pluto is a planet. Mm-mm, no. I thought there was a little while while they wanted to say it wasn't a planet, but. No, that never happened. That is completely oh. just bullshit. What happened cool. was, in 2006, the International Astronomical Union basically said, look, Pluto does not fit the definition of what we call all the other planets, which is that it has to be big enough that because of its gravitational force, when it's going along its orbit in that track, that it has cleared out all debris. 
Right. It's not big enough for that. It's big enough to have moons. It has two right, moons, but, but which it's are too tiny. Yeah. Um, so uh, also Mars's moons are Phobos and Deimos. Boop 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 boop. Just keep fucking yeah. throwing this shit out there. Um, but uh, so they were like, well, what what is it then? Because it's not an asteroid. It's not a comet. It's not anything like that. So they introduced a new class called dwarf planets. And so it's it is what hundred percent still a planet. It's a new class, and not only did they institute this new class, and the prototype of it is of course um, Pluto. They added another one, which is called Ceres, and Ceres is the Roman for Demeter. Got it. Right. And Ceres is way bigger than Pluto, and is in the giant asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. So technically, we never lost a planet. We gained a planet and then fucked up the news story. And I'm like, you fucking assholes ruined everything. That to this day, 15 years later, people still don't know the whole story. Well, yeah, I didn't know that. I knew that that we were calling it a planet again, but I didn't really understand what the fuck happened with Pluto. That didn't even, that wasn't even a thing. Yeah, we're calling it a planet again. Wasn't yeah. even a thing. Because it was always a planet, but I the uh, initial but I, ruling yeah. stands and has not changed. Yeah. Right. I don't know, but I guess everyone just got wise to what you're saying. There was, like no, years yeah, there was later. Like a, was there like, was like a four year difference where everyone was like, Oh, I guess we're calling it a dwarf planet now. Right. But it took a, for some reason it took everyone like there years. Was like a delay. To, yeah. yeah. It's the same exact thing as the thirteenth sign thing, which is like obviously you don't know what sidereal and tropical astrology is and you're just into clickbait and you don't educate yourself. Yeah, because yeah, there's yeah. never been a thirteenth sign. Ophiuchus can suck my fucking ass. That's not a real <laughs> thing. Um, you know, it's just, it's absurd. So, you know, it's it's so annoying to me, the whole Pluto thing. Because also, Pluto is, like, really crucial as far yeah. as I'm concerned in terms of astrology. Astrology, um, yeah. A Pluto really helped, Pluto really helped refine the true nature of Saturn. Because mm. Saturn was always the planet of death. Right. And yeah. really shouldn't have been, Really. Saturn's yeah. the planet of time and decay and entropy and boundaries and limitations and debts and fears and restrictions and the word no and right. and you know like um, contraction. It's very much the opposite of Jupiter. Jupiter's expansion. It's yes. Saturn, it, it emphasized by its rings, is boundaries and control no and limitations. Yeah. Right. Um, which again, the sort of spectrum or the the thing between. Um, it's two signs is this time it's conformity and how yeah. do you stand in, in with it because you have basically the ultimate conformist who is Capricorn yeah, who don't necessarily conform because they believe in the system it's because they know how to game the system yeah. So they're the one that's like, oh, cool. You gave me the rules. Awesome. I'm going to annihilate everything in front of me and get to the oh top my God. faster literally, than anybody else. Literally had this conversation earlier today. Yeah. I mean, they'll work, eat everyone on the chain on the way up, become the CEO and make it the most successful company in the world. And then outside <laughs> of the skyscraper in Manhattan on the street, you have some crust punk who's like, you know, got fucking, you know, um, 
a hope and a dream and is holding a cardboard sign that's talking about like the toxicity of that company and how they're ruining the environment. That's an Aquarius. Yeah. Like that's or more likely, and I've always said this is this is this to me is the difference between an Aquarius and a Capricorn as ruled by Saturn. Is an Aquarius is the innovative scientist who comes up with this like cure for cancer, but it turns out it's also like the key technology and a weapon of mass destruction. So they they're like the forlorn scientist that's like, I never thought it could be used for this thing. And then yeah. the, the C the scummy CEO of the company it's that's the gonna Capricorn. sell it to the government is the Capricorn. Yeah, like, that makes sense. Every time that's exactly how it goes. And so yeah, it's um it's it makes I also think of like uh what's his name? Uh, I think it's Ashoka, where he has, like, those big... It's, like, he's known for, like, making those giant in-stone laws. Uh, they're, like, these giant pillar stone pillars that the laws were carved into. Mm. And that makes me think of Saturn, like, quite... Like, just, like, the, like, literally... Ashoka from stone. what? Um, He's, like, an ancient king. And I don't in think real, in, the, in, in our world. Like, real. Human. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you said Ashoka, and I was like, okay, here we go. It's another anime reference I don't know. So I just oh, no. kind of assumed. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I've always thought that was really cool, that idea of, like, monolithic law structures. That yeah. is a thing yeah. that happens in certain places. Especially, like, as a history teacher and, like, kind of getting more in touch with my, like, cat moon and, like, the Saturn as a planet. Mm. Um like I used well, to think, you know, there's all the things that I said, but also he's the founder of civilizations. You know what I mean? Like, and, and yeah. the fact that there can be a civilization is the merging of many things, but essentially Saturn and Jupiter, you need to have both of those, right. you know, yeah. you have well, all the big ideas that Jupiter produces, but then you need the regulation and the regular and the regularity that you get out of Saturn. You know what I mean? They all, they yeah. literally represent like checks and balances. Yeah. Also, it was Ashoka, so I was, yeah, the rock edicts is what they're called. But, okay. um, oh, yeah, I used cool. to kind of categorize, like, Sagittarius, like, the Jupiter energy is where the creativity for my, like, lessons, like, the make them fun comes from. And Saturn, the Capricorn, is what makes them actually structurally work uh, so that they're not all over the place. But as I've, like... Well, the idea kind of gotten... in your head is Jupiter. The, the pad yeah. you're writing it down on and the fact that that exists and is readily available and was manufactured and all the things that it took to get there and then it has a set amount of pages and everything. Like, the structure you can... The container you can place your ideas in for them to right. grow is Saturn, yeah. essentially, right? And so, like, but as, like, of teaching history, I think, uh, specifically with this... Saturn is what helps me contextualize time in a way that uh, isn't um, like it. This is going to sound weird to say, but it like I can feel the civilizations as I'm learning about them. Yeah. As a result of like, I think my interaction with like Saturn as being like a Capricorn. Moon. But Saturn I guess, like, I can is feel the like... only one that could do that, though, because if you think about it, they all have their toxic side. Right. Mm -hmm. So, of course, Saturn also represents like anxiety, fear, um patriarchal oppression uh restriction of free speech like there's so many things that saturn could absolutely saturn is the planet of totalitarianism you know yeah. what i mean but jupiter is the planet of late stage capitalism like and and <laughs> yeah. living like ahistorically and without context yeah. and not caring yeah. about what happens tomorrow like saturn is what introduces those ideas not jupiter and so each one of them has their their sort of moral good and their benefit and the thing that they contribute 
and you can't have longevity if you don't even know how you're measuring time. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, so there's there's a very real need for both of them. And Saturn gets a bad rap. You know what I mean? Saturn definitely gets a yeah. bad rap. But I think that's also due to the fact that, like, we just don't want to be told no. Yeah. You know? and like, I, I think, <laughs> even and if it'll like... save our life. We don't want it. We don't, don't tell me I can't do it, you know? And that's the big thing is, like, thinking about restriction and thinking about boundary and one as keeping things in versus keeping or like keeping things out um in terms of just like i don't know that's been like my whole thing with like thinking about saturn recently um is like kind of not being as scared of it uh as i was because that fear kept me from trying to understand it Mm. Um, well i think there's a difference between how we all initially start dealing with boundaries in our life which is yes for sure the wall of jericho right which is impenetrable Mm -hmm. and then when it falls you're fucked you know, yeah. and so we all, it takes a long time for us on a good day to learn how to have permeable boundaries where Healthy you can actually communicate, yeah. let people in, let people back out, you know, and not have yeah. it be an all or nothing situation. Yeah. And I think the initial urge of Jupiter is borderless. Yeah. <laughs> and in Saturn is build a prison around yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so yeah. you have to find the kind of mediating line between them. You do. You know, it just is what it is. And Mercury yeah, is it, a great teacher of that. Mercury is a fabulous teacher of that because honestly, wherever Saturn, wherever Jupiter needs inspiration, it's usually from the grassroots effort of someone small, and that's mm-hmm. Mercury inspiring, like on the micro sense. And then yeah. you have the other side, which is wherever Saturn gets too restrictive, you have Mercury coming in and subverting it. That's my three. Mm-hmm. There it is. <laughs> yeah. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Um. So, that was fabulous. Uh, this I'm, was gonna, fun I'm hopefully going to be able to edit this. Yeah, we so, talked about so much. We stuff. talked about there's, so much. There's stuff. probably a couple chunks where we're just less exciting. Maybe I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think I don't it, know. if if we had got like it doesn't really have anything to do with Hermes other than just like April Fools and tricks. If we had like released on April Fools, it would have been funny to like release this episode in like four different parts. <laughs> this is our annoying. new format. Each one is yeah. 27 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We release really eight of them. It would be like a Shane Dawson documentary. Yeah, it's like here's yeah. four of these. Yeah. Episode 1.1. 1. 1, Are 1. you following 2, along? 1. Are you listening? Yeah. <laughs> Keeping up with us. Um, so thanks a lot, everybody, for tuning in. I mean, I'm going to do the best I can to edit this just between us, but like. I feel like this was such a good conversation. It's a lot. It's a really like, fun one too. It's a lot yeah. like the Hestia episode where we suddenly got yeah. into like, whoa, like what is all this shit? You know, like yeah. I don't know. I think it's. I'm gonna edit it the best I can, but see if there's what, a little see extra, what you come up with. I yeah. might keep I think it, it's okay. especially because our fucking Aries episode barely broke an hour. Like it yeah. was quick. Like <laughs> it, it was great. We got to the point. We did what it was we good, wanted though. to do. Yeah, yeah. There was, it was very direct. There was not a lot of navel gazing. So, all right, cool. Well, thanks everybody for mm-hmm. tuning in to another episode of When God Was Queer. We absolutely love doing it, and we love you for tuning in. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can shoot us an email to whengodwasqueer at gmail.com. You can get a hold of us on Instagram yeah, and TikTok us. and Make possibly Twitter at whengodwasqueer. So I can interact with people. Um. Yeah, if if there's a hashtag when God was queer that we see start going all over the place, <laughs> then we'll definitely do what we got to do. I um, I am not a Twitter C'est person. Moi. I've tried. Neither am I. So. And I. Yeah. Yeah. I it's, been, my it's Vince's territory. 
Yeah. <laughs> the, the lawless land of Twitter. <laughs> Very mercurial. Very mercurial. Yeah, indeed. Um, so, yeah. So, if you... Uh, the, the other thing that you can do is you can uh, tell us what you think, or a joke, or a dirty limerick, in a voice note. Uh, go to anchor.fm slash queer and give us your best uh, Aphrodite impression. Uh, Aphrodite. Hi, everybody. It's me. It's Aphrodite. <laughs> you should reach out to us on social media. We just love to hear from you. Hey. Um, so other than that, it's time for our comedy of queerness. Uh, everybody can scream along with us. You're either going to go Gemini and screech like a fucking banshee and probably get bored and not even finish it, or you're going to do a Virgo, very equally distanced, equally yep, toned. Even toned. To the rhythm. Four, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Four by four beat. Here we go. Um, uh, so, be gay. Be gay. Do crime. crime. The gods are always watching. Yep. Jesus Christ. Okay. Bye. And there she blows.